Welcome to the Josh Blair Ministry Podcast, a podcast all about bringing inspiration and encouragement to your daily walk with Jesus. We pray the message you hear impacts you as you follow Christ. Hey, this is Josh, and the message you're about to listen to is from this past Sunday, Easter Sunday, on April Fool's 2018. And I wanted to preface it with a couple of things first. The, the first one is that we had a family service, which means the kids did not go to their own service. They stayed in service with the adults so that we could have a time of fellowship together as an entire family. So what that means is you're going to hear some crying and some sniffling. And mainly that's just from me, but <laughs> uh, that's not even counting the kids. Uh but you're going to hear some of that. Secondly, uh, the lapel mic that I placed myself was oddly placed, and so the sound quality is not going to be the best because I moved around a lot. And so because of where I put the mic, it gets a lot of feedback, or not feedback, but at least like some ruffles from my jacket. So you're going to hear a little bit of that. So hopefully it's not distracting to you at all that you would still be able to receive uh, from this message and be encouraged that Christ is risen. And if he can come back to life, there is nothing that he can't do in your life. So thanks for listening. I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, what happened this last week, 2000 plus years ago, starting with last Sunday being Palm Sunday, Jesus riding in on a donkey into Jerusalem with palm fronds laying down at his feet. They're saying, he's going to be our king, he's going to be our ruler, right? But by Thursday of that same week, he was already on trial, and they were waiting to kill him. He got arrested on Thursday of this last week, up all throughout the night, uh, being judged and uh, attacked by the rulers uh, in Jerusalem. And then Friday morning, they take him to Pontius Pilate, who was the Roman governor, because they couldn't, they couldn't uh, sentence him to death. So they thought, we'll let, we'll let the Romans do that. And you know that part of the story. And before he gets sentenced to death and the cross, there's a very interesting story that I think is very uh, potent and important for us as believers. It's, it seems pretty insignificant uh, in the Bible, but it's in all four of the Gospels. They all list this part out where there's this... Jewish tradition during the Passover where uh, the people of, uh, of Israel, the, the Jewish people would request from the, the governor to free a prisoner to them during the Passover. They could go and ask, give us one of the prisoners and set him free. And, and, uh, and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, would do that. Do you guys know this the story? There's, it's interesting. There's this story about this, this man named Barabbas. And it seems pretty insignificant. This whole week is all about what Jesus is doing. All about what Jesus is going to do. And yet there's this man in the middle of the story named Barabbas. Why is he important? What does he have to do with anything that Jesus is about to do on the cross? Why is this story significant? I believe that every word in in the Bible is inspired by God. And every story has a point and a purpose. And what's the purpose and point of this story? Why are, they, why are they talking to us about Barabbas? We're going to read out of Mark chapter 15, 
And as you turn there, Mark chapter 15, verses 6 through 14, I'm going to pray. But first I wanted to say this. I believe that God has a word for us this morning. And the reason I believe that God has a word for us is because I've been so sick this weekend. Friday and Saturday, running a temperature of 102 degrees. I don't know why. Just sicker than a dog. I believe the enemy is trying to stop this word. But I believe it's powerful and it's for us. And so as we go to the word this morning, make sure that your hearts are open to receive. Because God is going to speak to you. He's going to speak to me. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you, God, that you bring life and light to us. We ask, Jesus, that you would minister. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts and that you would open up your word to us. Holy Spirit, the one who reveals the words of Christ. And we ask, Jesus, that our hearts would be open to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's start in verse 6. Now, at the feast, he, talking about Pilate, used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in the prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man named Barabbas. So to set the scene here, they're having the the Jewish Passover. It's a Jewish feast, and they would have one prisoner released to them at this time. And there was a bunch of rebels in prison because... They had started a riot against the Roman rule. And during one of these riots or insurrections, there was a murder that took place. One or maybe more people had been killed. And one of the murderers was this man named Barabbas. We don't know much about Barabbas, except that he was a murderer, a rebel. Some of the other passages of the, in different Gospels talk about Barabbas being a thief and a thug. And that's really all we know about him. Do any of you know maybe someone who would fit that description? A thief and a thug? A murderer? If that person is sitting next to you, don't raise your hand. (laughs) Somebody. Yeah, I could tell. Is that that our uncle? Is he talking about our uncle? No, okay. I'm talking about Barabbas. But we may know somebody like that, right? That's not a far stretch to know, know, know somebody like that. This is who Barabbas is. This is what we know about. We don't know a, a backstory. We don't even know what happens to him after this. We just know in this moment, in this time, God is using him for something specific. Let's look at verse 8. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them, saying, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. So here Pilate recognizes that Jesus has been wrongly accused. Falsely accused. And it's because of envy and jealousy that he's been accused of this. I want to do a quick little side note. Do you know that envy and jealousy is a killer as well? Envy and jealousy is uh, the enemy of gratitude and thankfulness. When you envy somebody for what they have, you are basically saying to God, you have not given me what I want. And God cannot bless someone who is envious or jealous. It robs you of your blessing. Even in tithe and offering, that's a good example of saying, I can't give because I don't have enough. No. 
God has given you everything you need, and out of faithfulness, we give, right? Believing that God will take care of our needs. And this part, too, as well, God cannot bless those who are envious or jealous because you're basically telling the Lord, I don't have what I want. I don't have what I need. And so God sees this as well. So Pilate, he recognizes that their envy is trying to kill Jesus. And I think he thinks, I'm going to set Jesus up for the win. I'm going to make sure that they choose Jesus. So I'm going to put him up against this thug, thief, murderer named Barabbas. So they have no other choice than to choose Jesus because Jesus hasn't done anything wrong. I can tell that he's a righteous man, he's a good man, so I'm going to set him up against the worst of the worst. So clearly, they're going to choose Jesus, and I don't have to... I don't have to deal with it anymore. And so he sets him up against Barabbas, this murdering thief and rebel. But in verse 11, look at this. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have him release for them Barabbas instead. Are you kidding me? It totally backfired. It didn't work. How could this be? How could they choose a rebel and a murderer instead of the king of kings? And the Lord of Lords, this righteous, holy man. How could they choose Barabbas? This makes no sense. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't compute. How, how are they choosing Barabbas instead of Jesus? Why would they do this? Why, why would they choose this man? Who was a rebel and a killer. Who makes no sense. In verse 12 it says, And Pilate again said to them, Then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, Crucify him. And Pilate said to him, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him. At this point, you have to be wondering if there's anybody in the crowd that's like, okay, hold up, guys. All right, this has gone too far. All right, we, we wanted him arrested, you know, but let's, this is, we're being ridiculous. You ever think, is there anybody with common sense in the crowd at all to think, uh, okay, hold on, you know, this guy, we've seen him uh, raise the dead. Uh, this Jesus, we've seen him heal and restore uh, he fed 5,000 people with just a couple of loaves of fishes and loaves of bread and fishes. A couple of loaves of fishes. I don't know. <laughs> and, and he's done all these incredible things. And this other guy, he straight up killed people. You know, this guy is a murderer, this Barabbas. Like, he, he, he has killed people. Like, let's take a time out here. This, this doesn't make any sense. Why this situation is happening. Until you realize and recognize that God set this moment up from the very beginning. This is actually God's doing. His plan. And His purpose. It wasn't Pilate that chose Barabbas to go up against Jesus in this trade situation. It wasn't even the crowd that chose Barabbas to go up in this situation. God chose Barabbas to be in this situation. To be in this point of shall I choose Barabbas or shall I choose Jesus? 
God set it all up. Why did He do that? Because He wanted to show us, to give us a picture, even right before the cross, of what He was going to do in and through the cross. He was demonstrating to us what He was doing. God was about to exchange the innocent for the guilty. He was about to make the great trade of the holy for the unholy. For the pure for the unpure. For the perfect for the broken. He was about to make this trade for us. He was demonstrating to us before he went to the cross, I'm going to take your place. And I'm going to take your place. You're guilty. You're sinful. You're rebellious. You're a murderer in your heart. You're a thief. And maybe you're a thug. But I'll take you. I choose you still. I'll give my life in exchange for your life. I'll spill my blood so yours doesn't have to be. Amen. He's making the great trade. But why did he choose Barabbas out of all of the thugs and all of the rebels in prison? It could have been anybody. But why did he choose Barabbas? The secret is found in his name. See, Barabbas translated means son of the father. Bar Abba. Bar means son of Abba, his father or daddy. Son of the daddy. Son of daddy. Son of the father. He's saying this. I'm going to take the holy, righteous, obedient Son of the Father, Jesus. And I'm going to trade Him out for this rebellious, murderous, lying, cheating Son of the Father, Barabbas. I'm making this change. Because you and I are created as sons and daughters in God. We are called His sons and daughters, but we have fallen into sin, we became rebellious against God. We became enemies with God because of our sin. And he was saying, I'm going to take your place so that you can be called righteous, holy sons of the Father. Father, Sons and daughters of the Father. I'm going to make this exchange. He was demonstrating to us through Barabbas that he was making this Switch for us. Barabbas was guilty. He was the murderer. He was the thief in open rebellion to the ruling authority. And Jesus took his punishment for him. If not, it would have been Barabbas on the cross that day. Not Jesus. Barabbas would have hung on the cross. Instead of Jesus. But thank God that Jesus made the switch. Because if it had been Barabbas on the cross, we wouldn't have had our freedom. And we wouldn't have forgiveness of sin. Because we needed the pure and holy Son of God to pay the price for us. See, in in Scripture, we don't see... Anywhere that Barabbas responded to Jesus in this sacrifice. We don't see later on in scripture that Barabbas is now one of the disciples or one of the twelve. We don't even see that Barabbas is thankful for what Jesus did for him. 
It's not like Barabbas, after he makes the exchange, is like to Jesus, are you sure? Like, Jesus, I'm, I'm guilty. I, you don't have to pay the price for me. I deserve to die. We don't see Barabbas saying any of that. We don't see Barabbas turning and saying, I owe you everything. You don't deserve death. I do, so I'm going to just give everything to you, my life. We don't see that at all. And Jesus knew that. And he still said, I'm going to die for him anyway. Jesus, his love for us is so strong. He knows that there's going to be some people that don't accept him. He knows that there are going to be people that reject him, even though he paid the price for them. See, Jesus, he died for all. That all could come to know, know the Father. And he died knowing that people would still reject him. Knowing that people would still turn their back. Knowing that they would want to do their own thing. They, that they would want to continue in rebellion. And yet he still died. For us this morning, this is the case for us. That Jesus has paid the ultimate sacrifice. But how will we respond to what he's done for us? Because when Jesus died... He died while we were still sinners or enemies with God. He loved us even in our darkest, most destructive moments. Jesus is not in love with the false you. The mask you put on and tell, when, when you tell everybody it's okay, right? In church, sometimes we, we come, we put a mask on, like, oh, how are you, sister? Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. But you don't feel that way. Sometimes we think we have to pretend for people to love us, for us to be accepted, but not with Jesus. Jesus knows you and saw you in your darkest moments and still said, I will pay it all for them right there in that moment. Jesus didn't say, I'll give my life when they clean themselves up. He didn't say, I'll sacrifice it all once they... Start coming to church. I'll, I'll, I'll spill my blood for them once they start living right. No, he said, I'll spill my blood for them now, even though they're in a dark moment, even though they are still trapped in sin. This is what Romans 5, 8 says. And this is the demonstration of God's love for us, that while we were still sinners or enemies of God, Christ died for us. So wherever you're at. In life, no matter how bad it can be, Jesus' love is always there, ready to meet you, always ready to touch you, always ready to lead you. God, in His infinite wisdom, displays His love for us in this that while we're still sinners, He died for us so that we could know Him, knowing that some would not accept Him, knowing. That some would want to live their lives. But he did it anyway. Jesus loved Barabbas. And he loves you and me as well. Verse 15. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. In this story... You and I are Barabbas. And Jesus took our beating. And he took the death that we should have died. And he took it upon himself. Like Barabbas, we have a choice to make. 
Will we walk away from Jesus thinking we are the source of our own freedom? Or will we acknowledge the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross and live our lives surrendered to him? So we can call ourselves Christians, like 80% of Americans call themselves Christians, but they don't live a sacrificed life to Jesus. But we follow his will, not ours. We can acknowledge Jesus and say, oh yeah, thank you for, for doing what you did, and then continue to live our lives the way we want to. Or we can be a people that says, Jesus, I owe you everything, and I'll give you everything. My life is yours. Where you want me to go, I'll go. What you want me to say, I'll say. I I belong to you, Jesus. And we have a choice to make. Well, we think the life that we're living is our own, or we recognize the life we're living is in Christ. Knowing that Jesus paid it all for us. We have a choice to make. And immediately after Barabbas was released, it says that Jesus was scourged. Basically, he was whipped is what it means. And he was whipped. They used to use this whip. It's called a cat of nine tails. This whip had chunks of bone and metal fragments in it. So that every time he received a a beating with it, it would dig into his skin. And every time they pulled it out, it would rip out chunks of flesh. And he was beaten for us. I love the picture that we see in the New Living Translation Isaiah 53, 5 and 6. See, we are a rebellious people. Rebelling against God. But it says in verse 5, But he was pierced for our rebellion. Crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Your sins and my sins, Jesus paid for on the cross. The price of our sin is death. The Bible tells us the price of sin is death. And the price must be paid for there to be justice. See, sometimes people think that God is an angry God who is just waiting up up in heaven with a big stick ready to hit us when when we fail. And that's not at all who, who God is. God is a loving God. And God is a just God. And God knows that there has to be a price paid for sin. And so He didn't want us to have to pay that price with our own lives and being separated from God for eternity. So He sent Jesus... To pay the price. To satisfy the payment. Because he's just. See we we understand justice don't we? When there's been a wrong in society. And in our own lives. We demand justice. We want it to be made right. And God's the same way. If God allowed sin to go unpunished. He would not be just. He would not be a good God. Because goodness and justice go hand in hand. And so God said. I'm going to pay the price for them. And that's how he demonstrated his love for us. By taking on the payment of sin. This is what is called, oh, this is what the, it's called the, the atonement. Atonement is a, a fancy word uh, that just means at one mint, making us one with God again. Because there was no word in the English language to talk about how this really 
happened, what it really looked like. So they called it the atonement. It's when Jesus died on the cross to reunite us with the Father, to make us at one with the Father. This is what Jesus did for us. And it was his grace that saved us. And it's his grace that will keep us. It's his love that redeemed us, and it's his love that will continue to restore us because it's all about Jesus. Everything that he did for us. And he didn't stop there. If it was just the payment of our, uh, the price of our sin, that would be amazing. But he didn't just pay the price. He defeated death, hell, and the grave because he rose again. And it's that life-giving power that he gives us. There's a song that says, The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in me. It's resurrection power that lives in us. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would have freedom from sin, but we would have no new life to live a life of purity and holiness. We would have payment for our sin, but we would have no hope of getting out of the cycle of sin. Because it's his life that he wrote when he rose from the dead that created new life in us. See, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we would be continuing to be stuck in a cycle of sin because there would be no hope of newness of life. But this is what Romans 6, 4 says. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Because Jesus is alive today, we have life in him. We have a new life. We are new creations when we give our heart to Jesus. The dead, disgusting parts of us have passed away. We are raised to life again in Christ because He lives forevermore. That's the beauty of knowing Jesus is alive today. We don't celebrate a dead Jesus. We celebrate a live Jesus. Amen? Amen. Jesus is alive. If he never rose from the dead, we would have no hope. But because he rose from the dead, we always have hope. He's not done with us. He's still working in us. And you have hope now where you're at. Even today, no matter what you wrestle with or struggle with, you have hope that you can know Jesus and that there is a newness of life being given to you day in, day out because he lives. Amen. Amen. For those of us who've not yet given our life to Jesus and responded to his free gift, that he's freed us from our guilt and sin and shame, you have a choice to make today. In the face of this sacrifice, will you walk away and not acknowledge what God has done for you, or will you turn to Jesus and give him everything? That's the question to you today who have not given your life to Christ. Will you ignore the sacrifice he's made for you and live your own life? Or you acknowledge what he's done for you and give your life to Jesus? You only have two choices. And for those of us who have accepted Christ 
as our Lord and as our Savior by His grace, through faith in Him, and yet we continue to find ourselves struggling, wrestling with things, wrestling with temptation, wrestling with doubt. Remember, because He lives, we can walk in freedom. It was His grace that saved us, and it is His grace that will keep us. We need to trust Him. Turn to Him and continue to surrender to Him. You didn't save your life. You didn't save your soul. Jesus did that for you through grace. And it's not going to be your effort, or no matter how hard you try, that's going to save, continue to save your soul. It's going to be His grace that keeps you. His love that sustains you. I don't know where we get in, in the church where we accept the free gift of Jesus. And then once we have it, we say, okay, Jesus, I got it from here. I'll go ahead and just work on, work on it on my own. I'll, I'll just, I'll try harder. I'll work harder to become more like you. No, it's in a partnership with Christ, surrendering to him. Because it's his grace that keeps us. It's his love that sustains us. And so this morning, if you think, I'm just going to try harder to beat this sin. I'm going to try harder to get free of this temptation. It doesn't work that way. You must walk in surrender to him daily, saying, Jesus, I turn my heart to you. I turn my eyes to you. I always look to you. You're the author and finisher of my faith. Lord, it's no no amount of effort is going to free myself from this. I turn and I trust you that you're working in my life. And I continue to surrender all areas of my life to you. Every area. We can't compartmentalize our life. And say, this part is saved, this part is not saved. This part is saved, this part is where I get to do my own thing, however I want to do it. It doesn't work like that. Jesus working through you, when you surrender to him, you surrender every part of your life to him. So that he can restore and bring wholeness and freedom. And this morning, you can have hope of life because he's alive. There's the song that everyone I'm sure knows. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see.